Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Throughout Scripture, if you'll notice, everyone but one who had an encounter with Jesus, their lives were changed. Everyone, if you look at Scripture, when they came in contact with the Son of God, their lives were changed. All but one. You go, one? Which one was that? Well, it was the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and all of a sudden, he, he has this dialogue. We don't have time to get into it, but their lives, everyone else, their lives were changed. The Bible says that the, the rich young ruler went off, and he went away sorrowful. We pray, if you will that he did come to repentance and come to know Jesus at a later time. We're not told that in Scripture. But the same thing can be said of us. When we really came to Jesus, the one true Jesus, and the scales fell from our eyes, our lives were never the same. The things that we wanted to do, we no longer wanted to do. The things that we had a bent toward, not anymore. Something had changed. We've met the risen Lord. And that's what happens when people truly meet the Son of God. The Son of God. I think of Paul when he writes to the Ephesians. Here's what he writes. Let me, let me get off topic here in, in um, my notes, because I'm going to come back to Daniel. But let me get off topic for just a minute. I want to show you something. Let me see if I can find it. In Ephesians chapter 3, let me just read it to you. I want to I show you something. He says in Ephesians 3.14, it's not even on the screen because I'm going way off in my introduction, but he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that they would grant you according to the riches in his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, again, let, let me read this again. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees. So Paul says, listen, I'm praying. I'm praying to the Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family, that's us. He's praying for you. He's praying for his church. That what? That in heaven and earth would be named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Your attention, please. Here's what Paul is writing in this passage. He's praying that we would be strengthened in our inner man. You see, that's what people need. We need to be strengthened in our spirit. It's oftentimes we can pray, hey, listen, we want, we want to avoid this addiction or we want to stop that bad habit or, but really what we need is we need to be strengthened in our inner man. And see, that's what Jesus does. Jesus, when we meet him for real, we have now changed, but we need that strength to walk according through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's going to talk about. Well, we see a glimpse of that early on here in the book of Daniel. You see, old King Nebuchadnezzar is going to meet God. He's going to meet God. But if you follow the thread of old King Nebuchadnezzar, something is very interesting. Something parallels, parallels a lot of lives we see today. You go, what's that, Pastor? Nebuchadnezzar is going to meet God, and he's going to be so freaked out that he's going to actually worship Daniel. He didn't know what to do. But then we see that's short-lived because in chapter 3, he then raises a colossus to himself. And that's a lot of people. They get really on fire for God. They get so, oh, okay, this is it, this is it. I'm going to follow God. Bang, Jesus! And they get so excited. And then a few months go by or maybe a year go by and you run into them at the grocery store and they're like, yeah, oh, uh, 
Yeah, it's, well, I thought you were on fire. Yeah, and, and, it's, and that flame is sort of flickering out. But Daniel, Daniel and his friends remind us that this walk that we have is not, it's not a sprint. It's a long journey of a, a daily grind of walking with Jesus, being conformed to his image and having a heart that's transformed. Now, in our text, if you recall, Daniel, Daniel's a kid. Daniel's 16, 17, 18, however old he is. He's meeting with the most powerful man on the earth at this time. King Nebuchadnezzar, if you recall, had a dream that so freaked him out that he summoned all the wise counsel. Do you remember that? He, he was not going, he didn't sit there and go, well, I'll talk to them in the morning. He's like, no! And he brought them in, and you guys know the story. He says, listen, I've had a dream, and I, here's what I want you to do. Tell me what it is and tell me what it means. Now, you guys remember, they, they couldn't. As a matter of fact, even Daniel said, I can't, man can't do that, but God can but these guys are so freaked out, they didn't know what to do. And, and I don't know if they're looking at the most powerful man in the world going, hey, give me a hint. <laughs> Was there a dog in your dream? Did you, did you see, you know, food? What? what? And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar's not having it. And you remember what happens. This dream was very prophetic. See, this happened around 605 to 602 B.C. So everything that he dreamt was very prophetic. It was all future. Now, let's pick it up just to read in verse 31 in your Bibles. We'll pick it up in verse 31, and then we'll read to verse 45, and then we'll do some work. Okay, let me find it here in my Bible. Verse 31 through 45. He says, Daniel writes, O you, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. The image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image was of fine gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly, the thighs, the bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet of partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet, and the iron and the clay broke them into pieces. And the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that the trace of them was found, so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain filled the whole earth. Now this is the dream. Now I will tell you the interpretation before you, O king. You, O king, are king of kings. For the God of heaven is giving you kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over all of them. You are the head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another and a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and a fourth kingdom, and it shall be as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron breaks into pieces and shatters everything, like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break into pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet in its strength the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay... They will also mingle with the seed of men. And the days of these kings of the God of heaven will set up the kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break into pieces and consume all the other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that broke into pieces of iron and bronze, the clay and the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after... After this, God has made known to the king what will come after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Okay, so Daniel will give us the dream, and then he shares the prophetic interpretation. Now, let's take a look at the Colossus again. Mike, do you have that picture? They're perfect. 
By way of reminder, this is a metallic metal image, okay? Now, the descending value of the metallic image, just kind of remember, when it goes to gold, gold is very expensive. Today's price is about $1,800 an ounce. Then you go to silver, as you can see there. You go to silver, and it's valuable, but not as valuable as, as gold. It's about $24 an ounce. Then you hit the bronze. You see the bronze right in here, okay? That's somewhat valuable. Today's price is about a buck twenty an ounce. And then you get some iron right here. Iron is about ten cents an ounce. And if you get to the clay down here on the feet, that's almost free. You can find clay almost anywhere. Okay? Now, here's the observation. What you need to remember is the uh, metals get stronger. You guys with me? As they go down. So even though gold is strong, it's not as strong as the metal and then come down here. So iron obviously is much stronger than gold. So here's what I want you to remember. As we move forward into today's world, meaning the Roman army, or shall we say the revived Roman army, which is the fifth kingdom, this kingdom down here, okay? Now, these are all kingdoms. Babylon, you, we're going to see that in a minute. This is the fifth kingdom. Now, here's what I want you to see. This kingdom is going to be stronger than any of all these other kingdoms. Think about this for a moment. Rome was amazingly strong. Rome ruled the world for many, many years. 600 plus years. But I started to think about this. Okay? Babylon was gold, it was value, it was a very strong army. But think about this. I want you to put on your thinking cap. Think about Babylon versus the, the last day's empire. You go, what do you mean? How can this little feet with ten toes be stronger than, say, even Nebuchadnezzar, who's ruling the world, or Alexander the Great? In, when, all of this stuff, I'll tell you how. Here's what I want you to see, guys. Keep... Keep your eye on this. Think about this, okay? It's all going to be based on control. You see, think about this. In our world today, they can control us by our health. What kind of, what kind of medical you can get or have, they can control you. If you have insurance or you don't have insurance. Okay? Think about this. In our prophecy update, they can control us with our money. You see, if we take away our money, if you take away your money and everybody's on the same money grid, they can turn it off and turn it on and they can control you. How so? Well, you remember what happened in Canada. When the truckers decided to strike, all of a sudden their paychecks were being held and their money was being drained out of their bank with a, with a flip of a switch. You're like, okay, I, I see. And I started to think about this. Do you realize that, that your president decided that all the gas stoves should be out of your house and everyone should be, what, having an electric stove? And you're going, why? Why is that? Because they can control the electric. They can turn off your stove, turn on your stove. You see all the commercials that are wanting you to buy an electric car. Why? Well, again, there are times when they can turn off the car or, or control how you... Listen, the other day I was looking, I was reading some of the fine print of a smart TV. Any of you have a smart TV? It tells you that they're listening and, and they're going to analytically figure out what you like and what you watch and then bombard you. That's what it says. But most of us, when we read some of the stuff, we hit click, accept because we want to get to the programming. But they're listening. It, it says that. We're... we're monitoring you, your TV, your phone, your iPad, anything, even today. Now think about this. All the electronics we have in here are monitoring our church service. Now, I don't think they really care today about Calvary Chapel Lubbock, but eventually they're going to. Okay? Well, what about social credit? You realize that, right? The credit system is going to go away to where now you have a social credit. You know, you go, what's the social credit? You and I go out and we, we decide to have a cup of coffee. And we go down and we get around the table and we decide to have a cup of coffee and we're having some pie with that coffee and it's great. And then we start talking politics and we start talking about what's going on in the world. And all of a sudden, I look at, it, I, I look at Adam and say, don't worry about Adam, it's just coffee, I got this. But I've been bad-mouthing 
And all of a sudden, my cards declined. Well, wait a minute. I had an 820 credit score. How come this could be declined? I have plenty. Because they're listening and they're saying, no, 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 no. You are a bad little boy. And so the point is, even now, the, the end times, listen, the end times empire is going to be so much stronger because it's going to have the death grip on people's neck. And we've allowed it with, with our, with information. Yeah, okay. Now, you and I, we won't be here. Okay, so, so we, but, but there are going to be people that go, oh, how, how can this be so strong? Because of this, guys. Because think about it. Babylon couldn't control the people in that way. They could, see, see, Rome tried. Rome would come in with, they didn't do it, they didn't do it the way we're doing it. They would come in with their soldiers, take what was yours, and then, you know, and say, okay, so you need to get out, this is my house. And that's how Rome just conquered people. They're just strong. They just beat you up. Well, think about this. If you don't comply to this new government, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to, they're going to have, they're, they're, you're not going to be able to live. You won't be able to buy or sell. You won't be able to do anything. You see, guys, there are times, and, and I know I'm going off, there are times when we read Revelation 13 and we go, hey, there's a mark, right? The mark of, we, we have a mark, and the mark says, if I take this mark, then I won't be able to buy and sell. But it's going to be way deeper than that. It's not just going to be, well, I don't have the mark, but my baby needs food. I gotta, I'll do whatever it takes. It's going to be a conglomerate of things that have control over you that you're not going to be able to even think. And so you'll be forced to steal and be caught and, and all of this stuff. So the point, the last kingdom is going to be so much stronger because the enemy has been studying us for a lot of years. You say that. You go, well, Ben, why would you say that? Here's why. Because, because we need to let people know this is coming. This is coming. It's on, it's on the horizon. It's on the foot. I mean, we can't see it right now, but it, maybe it's hidden in plain sight. And so again, here we go. So we have the descending order. Mike, put the picture back up again. You have the Babylonian kingdom. You have the Medo-Persian kingdom. You have the Greek kingdom, which is Alexander the Great. Then you have the empire, the Roman Empire, which ruled for over 645 years. And then you have the last day's empire, okay? You guys with me? You go, Ben, we've talked about this for three weeks. We did. I want you to get it. Now, there are ten toes. Why are there ten toes? Because, first and foremost, there's going to be ten nations that come out here in Revelation during the tribulation. There's going to be ten nations, and then the Antichrist is going to come out of those ten nations. So here, just strictly from Daniel, the Lord is telling us what we need to know. But remember, it's both iron and clay. In, biblically, clay is referred to the church, but it's a miry clay. So what's happening? What's going to happen is the church and the state are going to be married in the future, and that's going to be all part of that. So it won't be a church like this. And if there is a church like this, let me just say this. It'll probably be underground. It'll probably be underground. Because, because if you are going to be a church ruled by the state, then you have to comply with what they say. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, I'm not sure if we've seen that happen in the past or not, where the, where the government took control of the church. Did, did we see this in 20? Yeah, we did, didn't we? We saw, and you saw what happened. First and foremost, it divided the body of Christ. Well, why didn't you shut down? Well, why did you stay open? Well, why don't you wear masks? Or why do you wear masks? I mean, it just divided everything. And the devil sitting there laughing, just going, ha, ha, ha. We see that. This is going to be part of that. We won't see that. But this is what's going to, to happen. Now, not only is this kingdom going to be put a definite name on it because it's, it's not part of history, it's present, 
But to better understand this, go over to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Now, I'm going to read from, and you guys know this, we talked about it last week, but I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, A period of 70 sets of seven have been decreed for your people to your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt in the streets and strong defenses despite those perilous times. Remember we talked about this, okay? Seventy sets, seventy weeks, right? Each week is seven years long, okay? So a 70-year periods are determined. 62 plus 7 gives us 69 weeks. Well, he goes, wait, 70 are determined. Where is this? Well, verse 26. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. Who's he speaking about, church? Jesus. It means he, he is going to be murdered, okay? Appearing to have accomplished nothing, the ruler will arise out of the armies and destroys the cities of the temple. The end will come with a flood and its war and miseries and the decree from the time to the very end. Now, after 69 weeks, Messiah will be publicly executed. Guys, oh, by the way, I have some good news. You go, what's the good news? I was going to say that in Israel, there is the place where you go, it's the place of the skull, and Jesus was publicly executed. Okay? You can see that. But if you want to see it for real, we are planning to go in February 2024. So if you're interested in going to Israel, now's your chance. You go, what's the cost? A lot. Yeah, there's a lot. No, it's not too bad. It's, it's about 4300 a person. Okay? And so, um, but that's airfare, that's all of that, and it's an amazing trip. And you will stand where Jesus, you will see the empty tomb. And so we're going, and um, get your passports ready. So what does that do? That leaves us one week to go. One week to go. So why haven't we experienced this? Well, because when Jesus was crucified, it began something known as the church age. It was the reconciling of people to the Lord. And if you're taking note, let me just say this. We're probably somewhere close to the end of the church age. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So what happens? What happens next? Well, let me remind you, okay, because this is prophetically. Prophetically, this is what has to happen. In 1 Thessalonians 4.15, you guys know this. We talked about it last week. But it's this. 1 Thessalonians 4.15-17. through 17, For this we say by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. What's going to happen? The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive. How many of you are alive in here today? <laughs> I hope so. You're like, not me. Anyway, we're, we who are alive and remain, that's us, shall be what, guys? Caught up. Very good. Let's say it together. Caught up. We're going to be caught up together with them to in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is what's going to happen next. You and I are going to be uh, minding our own business at Calvary Chapel Lubbock on a Wednesday evening at 7.56. We're going to hear the trumpet sound. Next thing you know, we're gone. We're gone. All hell is going to break loose once we're gone. Okay? It's not going to be a picnic. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be, hey, it's party time. All the Christians are gone. It's all, it's, I don't, I don't want to be here. I've read it enough. I've read it enough. You, you go, well, what happens? If you're taking note, this ushers in Daniel's 70th week. This is the last set of sevens. This is the end here. Okay? And it's also known as the tribulation. 
Okay, so remember, you correlate both. Daniel's, oh wait, there's only been 69. Jesus is crucified. Now we have the church age. We're at the end of the church age. Now Jesus, now God's going to finish his 70th week. He's going to finish it, okay? But he's not going to put the, he's going to say, Christians, come home, come home, come home. Can I share something with you guys? Ever since we started 2023, I've had my spirit just overwhelmed like this is the year. I've had my spirit just, I can't shake it. It's not, God didn't come to me in a dream and say, okay, tell him this is it. I just feel like, wow, I just, there's something about this year that I feel it. You go, well, Ben, what if we're here? We can't go to Israel. No, we can't go to Israel in 2024. But if we are here, okay, I, I'm, I'm okay. To, I, I just feel something. And maybe it's just the urgency of the Holy Spirit saying we've got to, We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. But look at verse 27, guys, in your Bible. Look at verse 27. Then a ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offering. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Your attention, please. How many of you know that in Israel today, they've already um, had the red heifer over there? The one without, without a blemish, okay? So, so that's all they were needing to build the temple, except they need the Antichrist to come in and set up a treaty, okay? That's all they're waiting on. If you go to Israel with us in 2024, if we're here, come on, somebody. We'll go to the Temple Institute. You'll be able to go into where you see all of the utensils ready to go. They're chomping at the bit to sacrifice again. This guy's going to allow it to where they build a temple, okay? This guy's going to allow it, and then in three and a half years, he's going to cut off the sacrifices and claim that he's God. It's called the abomination of desolation, okay? So all of this. Now, you and I, guess where we're at? We're having filet mignon in heaven, Oh, it's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is going to be so sweet. We're going to be with Jesus. And I don't even care about the food. I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with him. And, 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 and man. But that's what's going to happen. Now, we're going to jump into a text, I promise. It's only four verses. But I want to, I want to unpack the typical teaching here of the book of Daniel. Okay? Now, I've given you a lot of information, but labor me just a little bit longer. I want to give you five observations, guys, to take home with you today. I just want to give you five observations. I will try to talk slow because I know you're trying to write, and I move on to the next one. But let me give you number one. Here's an observation, and then we'll jump into our text. When you talk about the Colossus that Daniel, the, the, the statue that we saw, the Colossus, okay, Man sees that Colossus as a representation of world kingdoms. How so? He sees their wealth, their beauty, their majesty, their power. That's the first thing you need to remember. How does man see? Well, it's a little bit the same as the way you used to view the world before you got saved. Before you got saved, let's be honest, we were all narcissistic. It was all about us. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to climb to the top. I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me any different. Then you got saved, and then you realized there was others that were more important than you. And you were supposed to esteem others higher than yourself, and that freaked you out because that wasn't you. And then there were times when you wanted to punch somebody in the face, and you would go up and start a fight, and you would punch them in the face. And then you got saved, and now you didn't want to. You might wanted to, but you didn't. The Holy Spirit grabbed you from the back and pulled you. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm saved. But that's how man sees. That's how man sees. He sees the Colossus. He goes, oh, it's beautiful. Now, I didn't have time to research it at all, guys, but I know there is a, there is a Colossus that is going around the world. And it's a, it's a moving mechanical statue. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's the giant. Look it up on YouTube. You can just kind of get an idea of what's going on in the world. Let me give you number two. We'll be here all night. Men might see them this way, but number two, God sees them 
as an aggressively greedy wild beast devouring one another. This is how he sees the kingdom. And he's going to share that and go into more detail in Daniel chapter 7. So you want to make a note in your Bible, Daniel chapter 7, and put an arrow. Now, next week, church, listen to me. The golden image in chapter 3 set up by Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the image of the beast found in Revelation 13, 14 through 17. Okay, so Daniel chapter 3 and Revelation 13 kind of kind of go hand in hand. Let's read Revelation 13. If you want to turn there, if not, look at the screen. It says, and he, who's he? The Antichrist deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he had granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make a what? An image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both in small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So Daniel is sort of preparing us for what's coming in Revelation. But here's what you need to see. You need to see that the Antichrist is going to get wounded, actually appear to die, fake resurrection. You guys guys see that? And then all of a sudden he's going to go, I'm alive! Now build this image to me. And then he's going to cause that image to come alive. And if you don't worship it... Now, is it a giant statue? Or is it a system? You see what I'm saying? Because we tied it all into what? To control. To what what they want to do with people. To bow down. Okay? And the moment you go, no, I'm not going to do... I'm not going to follow... It says you're going to be killed. Could be a statue. Could be that comes alive. Or is it a, ooh, I don't know. That gave me chills. Because I see what's going on in the world today. Okay? So, God sees them, okay? Now, let me give you number three. This is a third observation. The fiery furnace is a type, come on somebody, of the faithful remnant found in Revelation chapter 1, 3 through 8. The fiery furnace. How so? Well, later on in this book, guess what? Nebuchadnezzar will go insane. Can somebody tell me for how long? Seven years. Seven years, the most powerful man in the world is going to be eating grass and growing his nails and grunting and running you know, outside with all the beast for seven years. Now, most liken this, you ready? To the madness of the nations in the last day. What? We just read today's newspaper, didn't we? Okay, so in your mind, you're picturing Nebuchadnezzar, ah, just crazy, crazy, because he wouldn't honor God. And then that's likened to what you see when you go home and flip on the news. Wait, what? Wait, what? I was flipping through the channels Sunday night, one of the nights, Monday night, and I happened to come across the Golden Globes. Can you believe that? How they made a mockery of who my God is. This is mankind. And people were applauding everything that my Jesus says is, is sacred. They're plotting the opposite of that, the evilness of that. In the two to three seconds that I sat there, now he goes, oh, that's the Golden Globes. And I was like, oh. But i got to be honest with you, my heart broke. My heart broke for just a minute, and I'll tell you why. Because as much as we go, well, they're, they're, those people, they deserve. They're still God's children, aren't they? And they're so confused, and they're so broken, and they're so lost. Paul reminds me 
such were some of you until you got saved. And I was just heartbroken, but I saw that, guys. I saw that. We see, and you go, what's the point? Well, it's the madness of the nations. You see, let me take you back real quick, guys. When, when the pandemic hit, you know, it wasn't just like, well, okay, this is Texas. Well, we, we, you know, if I don't like what's going on in Texas, we'll go to another state or we'll move to another. It was worldwide. There was nowhere we could flee. Italy was doing this and that, you know, is, and, and, and I always thought, man, if, the world, if it goes crazy in the United States, I'm moving to Israel. Israel was worse. They were worse during that time. So I was like, the only place we could do is get off the planet, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm out, right? Where's George Jetson when you need him? That's what I'm talking about. We need to get off the planet, but we couldn't. And so the point is, is that we saw, guys, the madness of the nations. We saw where they were starving people who wouldn't comply with the mandates that the government gave them. We saw that in other countries. There's still enough of us to put up a fight. There's still enough Christians to go, no, I'm not going to bow to your idol. Not going to do it. We're not going to comply. When we're gone, guess what's going to happen? It's free reign. And people are just going to, well, I'm glad those Christians are gone. Now we can get, now we can get back to our, let me see if I can think of the right word. Our freedom. Now we can get back to being free. Now we can get back to the way the world Listen, normal isn't coming back. Jesus is coming back. Normal isn't coming back. I started thinking about the madness of the world, and I jotted just a few down. You know the violence that we saw exploding in our cities? Did you realize the other day a six-year-old shot his teacher? Did you realize that? What in the... Okay, calm down, Ben. What in the world does a six-year-old have a gun? And what has he seen to do that? Racism is tearing our world apart. And things are not getting better, they're getting worse. President Biden, yeah, I mentioned his name, signed into law the Respect for Marriage Law. H.R. 8404. Okay? But it's not what people think. Oh, we've we got to have respect for marriage. This is direct defiance against the Word of God. And it's a direct hit towards churches. That's what's going on in our world today. Abortions have been occurring uh, more than one million a year and have put America on the fast, fast track to judgment. Since 1973, Americans have murdered 57 million children through abortions. The blood of 57 million babies is crying out for justice, and they will get it in God's sovereign timing. That could be soon. And if this isn't bad enough, marriages and families are imploding all around us. Poverty is growing. Drug and and alcohol use is is an epidemic. Fentanyl is making its way to the United States faster than anything. I'm just telling you guys what, 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 you know what? And that's just here. That's just here. See, the suicide rate of young people is higher than ever before. Because they feel like they have no hope. No hope for a future. They have little confidence in the government. They have no confidence in the media. Or anything else. And the problem is too, they have, they have little confidence in the church. You see, we have to do our part, church. We have to be the Christians that represent the Word of God. We cannot be the Christians that judge other people because we think we're better than them or, or anything else. Our job is to love people back to life. Open the door to see them come home. Open the door. You see, many people see little or no reason to go to church. They don't feel loved. 
Many of them feel judged because of the... Listen, we're not about dress here. We're, well, I mean, you need to dress something, but you, we're not about... You don't have to dress up to be... You come to, that should never be an issue. It should never be an issue, you know, where people sit or how they sit or anything else. Our job is to love people back to life. We got to do that, guys, and we got it. And we and the church in general has been doing a poor part of that. We cannot be. I'm saved, so that's all I need to know. I'm saved. The heck with everybody else. We can't do that. Let me give you number four. Belshazzar is another king. He's going to have a feast, and it's a typical of the godlessness and the destruction of the Gentile power. And number five, an observation, the lion's den is a type of the preservation of Israel during the final week of Daniel in the tribulation. Okay? So keep that in mind, the lion's den. So you got the fiery furnace and all this. Now let me, let me see if I can tie it together, okay? So I'm calling this message the one true king. We're picking up in verse 45 of Daniel chapter 2. And God made known to the king that will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is true. So Nebuchadnezzar just encountered who? The king of kings, our great God and father. But I want you to note his reaction. Look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded they should present an offering and incense to him. Okay? So you go, what happened? Well, Daniel didn't, the king didn't know what to do. He just came face to face with God, and what does he do? He began to worship Daniel. And people often make this mistake, church. God shows up big time, and we honor men instead of God. Let me give you an example. This happened to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 25 and 26. It says, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped. But Peter lifted up, saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Later on, it happened to Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Guys, we are to worship Jesus and only Jesus. Worship him. Peter said, stand up, don't worship me. I'm like a man. You need to be careful. There are really good teachers. There are really great Bible teachers. There are really good pastors. We don't worship pastors. They're just men. And I've seen congregations destroyed when the pastor's fallen because they've worshipped the pastor. They put him on a pedestal. They think, oh my goodness. And we don't do that. We say, wow, thank God for you. We never worship what? The creation. We always worship the creator. And when you eat a great steak and, and, and you're enjoying every bite, what do you do? You go, praise God. He made a wonderful steak. And the point is, and that's the whole, that's the same, that's the same thing. But I find something very interesting if you're taking note. When we study the gospels, every time we see someone fall and worship Jesus, he never tells them to get up. Why? He always receives their worship because he is worthy to be worshiped and praised. I want you to do that study. Go through. Every time somebody goes, Jesus, he says, go ahead. Because he's the only one. He's the only one. Now, back in our study, Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face. The great king was obviously impressed. He wasn't in the habit of showing such respect to anyone. This was King Nebuchadnezzar, especially a foreign slave who was about to be executed with the rest of the wise men. This confirmed that Daniel accurately reported the dream and skillfully explained its meaning. So he falls on his face. In verse 47, the king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. Nebuchadnezzar knew that it wasn't Daniel himself that revealed these things, but Daniel's God revealed it through Daniel. Daniel wanted the glory to go to who, guys? God, and it did. He says, listen, wow, truly you're God. And I think that's just a beautiful application. This should be a Listen, this should be our reaction when we encounter God. You go, what's that? Become so insignificant that all the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. Verse 48. 
Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the province of Babylon, the chief administrator over all the wise, of, uh, wise men of Babylon. And Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the gate of the king. So what happens? Man, he meets Jesus, he meets God, and he's like, okay, Daniel, you're, you're, you're being promoted. Daniel not only had his life spared, listen to this church, but he was promoted to a high office. He made sure his friends were also promoted. It was fitting that Daniel's friends got to share in the advancement because they accomplished much of the victory. How? Through their prayers. That's important. Okay? So Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they didn't go in to see the king, but they got promoted as well. Why? Because, listen, you ready? Because we're one family. Well, no, you're not hearing me. We're one family. And when somebody hurts, we all hurt. And we're crying out and we're praying. When somebody gets promoted, we don't get jealous. We don't go, I wish that was me. We go, wow, praise God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right on. Right on. That's the whole point. And listen. Maybe you're going through something, but you have people praying. Man, that's what you want. We don't pray to gossip, do we? We don't pray. Well, did you hear? We need to pray for so-and-so because I, I saw him that he was, he was with another. We don't pray that way. We say, listen, you need to pray for so-and-so. God knows. Amen. And let's just pray. Let's pray. That's, that's, that's Daniel's friend. Now, in the next chapter, next week, guys, Nebuchadnezzar will forget God. And he's going to set up an image to be worshipped. And in, in, remember Revelation 13, I want to show you one of the reasons we believe in a pre-trib rapture of the church. Okay? Now, why? I want to show you something. This is not an essential for fellowship. Just another reason why we believe we're going to be taken out before Daniel's 70th week. You guys ready? Okay. Daniel right here represents the church. You go, wait a minute, time out, Ben. The church wasn't revealed. No, no, the church wasn't revealed until Ephesians. Okay? But he represents the church. Daniel here, in most commentaries, believe and suggest that Daniel was a type of the church. Why? You ready? Jot this down. We don't see him at all in chapter 3. You go, really? Much like the rapture of the church. We don't see him in chapter 3. But wait a minute. Who's the focus? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3. Where are they? They're in the fiery furnace. Wait, what? Yeah. Most theologians believe that they're a type of Israel in the last days. And Israel is going to go through the fiery furnace. This is why we believe at any moment the Lord can come back. Because we believe, again, based on Scripture, Daniel comes up to the very last verse of chapter 2, And then you don't see him. But Shadrach, Meshach, they represent, they're a type of Israel that's going to go through the seven years. Okay, your attention real quick. When the last Gentile gets saved, okay, Holy Spirit is taken off the Gentiles and put into the Jewish people. He starts to deal with the Daniel 70th week. Now, will Gentiles get saved? I believe so. Some, I mean, but prominently the Holy Spirit is going to work over here. He's going to work over here. But they're going to go through a lot because you've got to remember, the Antichrist is going to set up. He's going to, he's going to do the temple. He's going to persecute them. And not only that, you remember that when he stands in the abomination of desolation, not only is the world being judged. You guys remember our, our, our Revelation study? Woo! Not only is the world being judged, I mean, all the disasters, but, but remember, if you don't worship the Antichrist after the three and a half years, he's going to kill you. So they run over to Petra. Anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but they run over to Petra. They're saved, but this whole world is still going nuts for another three and a half years. That is known as the Great Tribulation. So we have the Tribulation, but that Great, the Great Tribulation. 
And so I don't know about you, but my hope is pretty soon. But, but as much as I want to go home, come on somebody. There's a lot of people that, that I, I don't want to be left behind. There's a lot of people that we, we've got we've to do. We've got to band together as a church and say, okay, how can we reach people for Lubbock? How can we reach Lubbock for Jesus? How can we do that? How can we, how can we give them the true gospel? We can't, we can't give them in headlocks and say, you're coming to Calvary Chapel and you're going to sit down right there. Yeah, that's it. No, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just be the best spirit-filled, fully devoted follower of God we can be. And we're just going to love on people and say, come on, come on. Because what's our goal, church? To be the best fed, most loved church in all of Lubbock. That's our goal. That's our goal. And all the blue chairs you see, they'll be filled because people want to be loved. We have the best hidden secret, and now it's time to let it out. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word and the truth in your word. And we thank you, Lord, all the stuff that's happening. And Father, I realize that uh, there was a lot of review. And Lord, you put that in my heart because we really need to know what's going on. Lord, my prayer tonight is that every one of us in this room has RSVP'd into heaven that we've given our lives and we're ready and we're expecting him and that there's not a single there's not a single bone in our body going oh I'm not sure but that we've said yes to you I pray that anyone listens to this via podcast via radio or even on Facebook Lord that they would open up their heart and invite you inside that they would confess their sin and now live for you that they would truly be saved Father, our goal, Lord, as best we can, is to depopulate hell and populate heaven through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would fill us, Lord, as we walk through those doors and we head into the mission field, Lord, that we would be filled with your Spirit, God, so we can do and give honor to you. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. And we look forward to what you have for us on Sunday as we jump and get ready into the book of Ephesians. We're so excited. Lord, let us take all the information we have and just store it in our hearts, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.